0: to tonight's panel of legitimately amazingness. I am surrounded virtually by some pretty cool people. So without further ado, we're talking, creating for D&D with my amazing panelists who are going to introduce themselves now. Hi,
1: I'm Dingo from Dingo Doodles.
2: Hi, I'm Ben uh, Puffin, uh, I'm from Puffin Forest and I'm making animated videos on YouTube about D&D and telling my stories. Hi, I'm Felix. I'm also with Dingo Doodles. I am Dingo's better half. I yeah, am Z. Right. I
3: make the animated spoke
0: And I'm Carla, and I create Dum Dum Die. So we're going to take some questions from chat. But as a way to start, how do you go about creating for D&D? So how do you... Start your process.
1: Pretty much what I do is I make an animated D&D series based off of a campaign I played in from 2016 to 2018 called Fool's Gold. And it's a very much an episodic based series, about like 10 to 15 minutes per episode, minutes long. And my process pretty much starts with breaking down what I'm talking about and what is important for that episode. So I start with like writing and just trying to simplify everything and writing some jokes and then I record and do my voice acting and then uh, I move on to the editing process and do some animation which is like a three week process and in total it's about like a month a month or so to do uh, an episode and then I add. lately I've been adding music so which is like a couple day process but it's st- I'm still trying to figure that one out so yeah that's pretty much what I do we just got a
0: subscriber and on our channel, what we do is we dance. And I feel like they are really more here for you. So can I get a five second dance party to thank just for playlists, for subscribing? Thank you so, so much, nice. guys. <laughs> Puffin.
2: For me, creating content for D&D, particularly for like the D&D and for my channel and stuff like that, is that I think everyone's had it where like you play a game and it's just like, oh my God, this was like amazing. And you want to share it with people. And that's, I think... Like most people who play D&D, they kind of want to share their stories and stuff. And so you take online and you put stuff up and trying to like figure out how to communicate that and like what people are actually interested in. For me, at least for my channel, I'm more interested in telling a story of what it's like being at the table and playing with friends and that kind of like communal shared story and that experience, because I think a lot of times we like the narrative and everything, but it's also because the reactions are so real, so visceral and stuff like that, that is a huge inspiration for me, for the content that I make.
4: In terms of creating for d for me, I was the DM for Fool's Gold, so I created the story and the adventure for the characters. And uh, now that Dingo made the YouTube channel, I actually work quite a lot with her, mostly on the editing side of things. So I help her, you know, recall what actually happened in the session. Uh, I help her <laughs> clarify mechanics because it makes more sense like when you're playing than if you put it in a video, mm-hmm. you actually have to really clarify and simplify Break things. Break it down. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> Fix all the plot holes that totally weren't there in the mm-hmm. campaign. And, of course, I help her with the scripts, so making sure the dialogue is accurate. it's actually what happened. I also help her edit the videos, so I always see, like, one-minute uh, excerpts. When she finishes them, I go through it, make sure there's no, you know, mistakes in the editing or the animation or anything like that. The sound is
3: okay. And, uh, yeah, that's what I do to create for D&D.
1: <laughs> My better half.
3: <laughs> yeah, all right, creating for d and I don't know, usually it's just something happens in a session and I'm like, why don't you know this rule? And then I make a video <laughs> about it.
1: That's, that's a lot of
3: times what happens, like not in a mean way, but a lot of times I'll be doing something. I'm like, okay, so instead of proficiency, we're just going to be adding dice. Okay, so just get rid of that proficiency bonus and we're doing proficiency <laughs> dice. It's in the, and then it's, we'll be, it'll be like three or four years into a campaign and then people will be like, what's, what is the proficiency number? And I'm like, we've been playing. TV for a long time that probably means that a lot of people don't know what proficiency is i'm going to make a video about that then i start animating it and i make a little story and then my animation ego takes over and eats time like crazy where i'm just like this has to be smoother that's how you're I like, create
1: b You're like the nice rules lawyer instead of the one who like smacks you and goes to say, why don't you know this? And it's like, no, why yeah. don't I animate it for you instead? I mean,
3: that, listen, honestly, that's a little bit of an exaggeration because the truth is the reason I started the channel is I was fucking terrible at the rules. I was trying to make a wizard and every time I did it, I just gave up halfway through because I was like, what the fuck? What? This was in 3.5 but it's like, okay, wait, I get an extra spell from the wizard school, but then I'm not, I can't do spells from another school. Or, and I remember trying to go on YouTube and like, where are the videos about this? <laughs>
0: Those that can't do teach and yeah. then you learn how to do it. Yeah. yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I still mm-hmm. screw up rules here and there actually.
0: Question, and it's from Rogue Madu. What's the best way to overcome the noob fear of being judged at the role-playing table?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with baby steps when it comes to role-playing in front of everyone and trying to get everybody on the same page. So it's like a, it's a slow build. Like I didn't just start D&D jumping in and and role-playing. Like it actually was fool's gold when I actually started to role-play. I have a tip for if you're the DM and you want to get your players to like, role play more and and not feel so self-conscious is pretty much if they say like yeah i i do that like i i tell the NPC that i'm going to go into this door or whatever and it's like okay you don't say that just just tell me how are you saying that like just mm. just start the conversation and then work your way through it but as a player i think it, it really is one of those things where as a group Collectively, start to slowly bring in the role play. Like slowly start bringing in your character, talking to NPCs, and getting more in depth with your acting and stuff. But like it's it's not it's like a quick thing.
2: If you're a new player and you want to win at the D and D, what you do is you open up your spells and you go and you look down and you see there is wish spell and you say. <laughs> I would like to cash the wish spell and make the enemies go away. And the deal will go, okay, that is great. They're gone now. And then everyone will praise you for how clever your brain is. And then people will like you. And that is how absurd will solve the day. Okay. That is the answer. Correct answer. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> or you yourself man.
1: a better role player
4: I mean I agree that baby steps is important of course it can be it can feel awkward if you're the only one suddenly bringing all the energy to the table so just work your way in see what everybody else is comfortable with also as the DM you can help your party along kind of set the tone if the DM is all in role play well then maybe he's trying to encourage you to role play Just do what you're comfortable with, just try to have some fun, and uh, the longer you play, the more comfortable you're gonna get. I was playing with my friends for about a year, year and a half, before we really started roleplaying. Full school took a while as well, before they started to roleplay
3: and such, so it's like, just have fun and it comes Mm. with time. The tricky thing is, we're all answering as DMs, I guess. What I would say is it's the hardest thing, yeah, it's the hardest thing to get over as a player (laughs) is just to feel comfortable enough to let loose a little bit, to let loose a little bit. I guess it's because it does have to be facilitated by the DM, because Mm. if you have a really, like, really rigid war game type thing going on, like you might have if you go to, like, an Adventures League game or something like that, and then you're the only dude at the table who's like, hello! you'll feel everybody physically pull back into those things. It's off tone. But if you want to see more role playing in a game that you're running, I think the best way to do it is just to answer the players in the voice. So in in that example, like where a player says, well, I go to the innkeep and I ask him about, you know, if there's anything crazy going on. If you just go straight into like, What do you mean, crazy? (laughs) Then they'll they'll go, okay, all right. But it's basically identical to Dingo's answer, right? It's just a passive-aggressive way to do that.
0: If there's only one person doing it, it's easy to be embarrassed and shy. So Mm. if you as the GM are just like, I'll make it so embarrassing for me that nothing you do would be embarrassing, there's a space for them.
3: Now the onus is on you to make me feel better about what I'm doing.
0: Don't let me be the only one. There's a question for Z. Is there any animated spellbook video you wanted to make, but they are too complicated to convey?
3: Yes. Thaumaturgy is an absolute... Motherfucker! I mean, it's just so long. There's so many different things it can do. I've started that episode so many times and then I go like, oh, and here are these like weird opportunities where if you look at the mechanics in this way, if you interpret it this way, it could mean this. There are groups who have interpreted it in world ending ways. Climaturgy is tricky. Druidcraft is almost as tricky. There's control water or something like that where you can make waves and Basically, spells that do a lot of different neat things are hard to cover because by the time I'm done reading the spell text, the video's
2: already two minutes long. I, I, there's no editorial space. There's like interpretation issues as well that you have to take into consideration. People get real mad about the way that I interpret stuff sometimes,
3: <laughs> but it generates engagement. So the joke's on them. <laughs> like That's one of the funniest things is when somebody dislikes and then they comment to tell me that they disliked it. I'm like, do you realize that you just engaged twice?
0: And YouTube doesn't see the difference. YouTube's just no. like, this content is so, it's driving people to action. Yeah. So here's a question for Felix and Dingo. Are all the character races in Fool's Gold made for that campaign between the Foreclaimer, Allura's race, and whatever Sips is?
4: It was a 3.5 campaign, first of all. They just kind of made whatever characters they wanted to play. I mean, they didn't go into the campaign with much knowledge. It's more like, hey, I'm going to drop you in a jungle and there's going to be a lot of dangerous stuff. Go have fun. I mean, Gothi's player didn't know that Gothi was a Foreclaimer. She started out as a, a green hag. Sips was simply an awakened ape in terms of the race arena was i think that was all homebrew i don't even remember the exact race all
1: homebrew it's all it was it was like
4: magical girl and then magical girl race like it was just it was all kinds of messy it's like i'll do you the favor sure i'm gonna roll with this and i think julian was the spell scale artificer and gorthan that one actually made a custom race for they were specific to the campaign
1: gorthan was interesting because gorthan started out as like a normal
4: I think it was a Goliath?
1: Something like that, yeah. Some Goliath yeah. rock golem or something like yeah. that. And then it progressed into this crystal golem. Yeah, it just kind of naturally happened. And then everything we made in Fool's Gold, it's like, yeah, it was custom made because we were just like, oh, I think this is cool. Yeah, let's add it. And then it was just like, we just did it. Yeah,
4: I guess they just started as, as custom characters that just wanted to play. But the longer the campaign went, the more customized
3: they became. Shaped by the world didn't use the sort of three point five toolkits that they provided for like monstrous races uh, and like paragon races I used a lot, and lot of stuff
4: I used a lot of the uh, the templates like I help people with that like jawbone Gothi's Pet was a draconic template for sips it was the awakened animal template so that kind of thing yeah
1: and we also used uh, like an actual stat block of like an ape from yeah. there's a book out there and it literally is like, you can go into the book and it's got stats on like all the creatures just normal creatures like mm. you want a cow it's, it's it's there we just looked up like monkey but the, the only thing we could look up was eight and then we just mm. use stats from that
3: well 3.5 had a lot of like weird cool custom tools to make whatever you wanted to happen happen and then the yeah. drawback was that it also had every tool also doubles as like some sort of a mechanical hole that you can fall into and create a character that feels like they're three levels below the level.
0: And I think this actually leads to the next question quite well. I know we're not necessarily only talking animation and creating for D&D on like necessarily YouTube or our channels, but at the heart of it, you're creating from your D&D campaigns and from what you're playing. So I think it's still relevant. So what is your favorite part about character
1: creation? For me, it's personality for sure. I mean, I don't know if you guys know that from my stuff. It's like, yeah, the, the character's problem. Because whenever I make a character, I make what is their flaw and what is their fear. So it's like, okay, what's what's the thing that they are really bad at? So for Sips, it's like his flaw, and he's a very flawed character, but his main flaws is just like he's like a prickly person. He just doesn't like People and doesn't like to be around people. And he's, he has a really hard shell to break. And that's kind of like his flaws. And he gets angry really quick and really easily. His fear is that he hates the idea of losing control. But I didn't really figure that out until like Keenora's arc because I was still trying to figure him out. And to be honest, when I made him, he was supposed to be completely different. He was supposed to be calm, cool, and collected. He was originally a monk. He was not a spellcaster. Uh, I made him a monk, and then, like, couple, like, an arc or so, I was I was just like, this doesn't fit him. I think he's got to be a spellcaster. And then we just, like, started to play with the wall magic, and it was great. So, yeah, my favorite is just, like, the personality. What is wrong with them, and how do I fix their problems? That's my... I love that stuff.
2: I like thinking about, like, how does the character fit in the world? And, like, what's their occupation? Like, what are they kind of doing? And whenever I'm struggling with a character, it's usually because they don't have a place in the world. They're just, like, a bunch of stats or something. I like playing a character sometimes that's mechanically a certain way. But it's usually the easiest to role play when they have a narrative reason for doing what they're doing. Like, for a ranger, you know, they go out, they hunt, they can hunt game or be a bounty hunter or something like that. And then I I always love to play clerics because they have an excuse for like wandering everywhere and talking to everyone and asking people what's wrong and stuff like that and helping people out. Whereas some characters don't have that like pre-baked excuse and stuff like that. So I really like characters that are a part of the world. I create characters,
4: the first thing I really like doing is finding a challenge, like I'll try to find like weird mechanics or uh, weird classes I haven't played before, like currently on my to-do list is psionics, I've never played one yet, so that's my next thing I want to do. Aside from just finding like a mechanical challenge, I often like to play characters that are like outcasts, outsiders, or like hideous, or monsters, so it's like... I love exploring ways for them to fit into society or the ways they screw over society. Yeah, similar to what Puffin was saying, it's just like finding reasons for them. Why are they wandering around and how can I cause the most amount of chaos while I'm doing so?
3: I don't know. I honestly don't know. There's some, somewhere between the mechanical and the story. There's, there's something pleasing about making new characters. I really love doing it. I'm always basically begging my DM to kill me. Depending on the manner of the character's death, Usually, dep- like, determines what the new character is going to be like, right? If I feel like I got really screwed over, I definitely will make a slight, let's say, a a slightly more chaotic character. Like, uh, if people watch my videos, Skank McGank was made as a direct response to me to losing Johann von Generico, who um, <laughs> just fucking drowned at like third level or fourth oh, no. level like barely just a bunch of crit fails god damn it because i also before that i he was uh, super lawful good or whatever and i was like i'm going to the other end and i'm going to drag this group with me
0: i think we've touched on it a little bit but i don't know if anyone wants to jump into it deeper so people then ask how do you make characters backstories more interesting
2: I think for me, as far as backstories is it's always got to be something that's actually like usable by the DM. Sometimes players or myself will come with a backstory that's like too intricate. And it's great. You know, it's a lot of detail and stuff like that. But if something's like really intricate, you can't necessarily it doesn't have that like flexibility. So like, for example, if you know that your parents were killed 30 years ago or something, if it's like the parents were dead at some abstract year, then the DM it has that freedom to kind of move it around. But if you know exactly when they died and who killed them, then the DM mm. might not be able to work it into the plot because it's a little bit too defined. And so having these kind of open and available points that the DM is able to manipulate and kind of work into the plot, I think is is great. With backstory, you can also work with your DM. I often request from my players that, please
4: leave me room to breathe in your backstory so I can work you into the world. from the player's perspective, like when I make a backstory, um, I think of it as like I'm giving weapons to my DM to screw me over in all kinds of different ways. It's like, oh yeah, uh, I don't know what happened to my parents. I'm very afraid of this thing. And also I have a completely unreasonable like backstory regarding cheesecake or something (laughs) like that. I just give them all these weapons to play with. That's how I think about it. I also recommend like don't necessarily write the giant Five page backstory for your character. It might be really appealing for you, but I think most DMs don't like
3: that.
1: For the love of God,
3: please! So, oh, especially like, at level one. Especially at level one, they're too fragile. Don't do it.
1: Let the campaign
3: create the backstory while you're playing. I don't think that 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 a that a long epic backstory is an important element to a character. Like for me, usually a character boils down to like one sentence, like David Lynch, the wizard, or you know what I mean? Like where you're just like, okay, that's done. That's a fully formed concept. Now I'm gonna try and kind of stay in this lane and see if I can allude to stuff that occurs to me that probably happened to this guy as the sessions go on.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a lot of like, to be honest, I don't usually make my backstories until like three arcs in. Like, I'm serious because it's, like, I'll start a character, like, okay, example, Sips. I made Sips, and I was, like, okay, the one thing I know is these he's grumpy. Or, no, I didn't even know that. I, it was that he was a merchant, he had cursed items, and that he had his hand chopped off, and then he, like, it was, like, sold and stuff. That was, like, the most that I had. And then we had, like, three arcs in, and then Felix was, like, hey... I need your backstory. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay, sure. Uh, And then I started to really think about his world and, like, how it was that we're, like, we're in a jungle. And it's like, well, what's in a jungle? And then I was like, well, maybe there's, like, a witch doctor. That would be cool. And, like, why don't we play about that? And, like, his main goal at the very beginning, I know I established was that he was looking for his hand because I was just, like, he doesn't have his other hand. So where did it go? So, you know, I, I do a lot of, like, just basic, basic stuff. And lately, what I've been playing with is more realistic backstories. Like, like, I don't need it to be some kind of like, my family was killed and I'm trying to go for revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, like the character I'm playing right now, it's like, yeah, she got divorced and it sucked. And it was just like, and she had a kid with this guy and she was a single mom. And now the kid's gone and she's got to go find it. And so it's just like, that was that was the main thing. And I was like, I just, I really wanted to keep it basic so that the DM can do as much as they want with it. And it's turning out great. And I love it. I love it when the DM just takes control of that and just like, oh yeah, and then this and this. And then I just, I've been building it with the DM. And it's, mwah, it's so good.
0: It's because there's things in the DM's world that you, we could never possibly imagine as players, right? So we have no idea as chat is mentioning there was a Tarascu under the city and it's how they grow and change as you play and fit into that yeah. world like Felix said
4: yeah with characters I mean less can be more like Gothy's whole thing was I am a swamp hag in a swamp with no face that's it that's all I and had to work with
1: so another question is how do you deal with creative block creative block I definitely consistently deal with so pretty much what I do is I take like three days off and I know everybody doesn't have that luxury, but pretty much what it is, is just like I take three solid days off or four depending on if I'm going crazy, but around three days and I do absolutely nothing. I watch stuff. I, uh, walk, I listen to music. I, pick up hobbies. Lately, I've been trying to pick up some hobbies to get my mind off of d and because my life is D&D. So I'm just like, God, I have to get something else because this is all I think about and this is all I do. So, um, yeah, pick up a hobby, pick up a hobby that has nothing to do with what you're doing and look at things that really inspire you just in general, kind of like go back to your core. Like one of the things I started to do was uh, I, I'm rewatching Futurama. And I love Futurama, and I've forgot about it. I forgot completely about. It. Actually, I'm rewatching it with Felix because he's never watched it before. So I was like, "This is perfect. I can just like rewatch it with him." And uh, I'm I'm rewatching this series, and I'm just like, "Oh, I know exactly where I get my humor from because it's this kind of stuff." And it's been inspiring me. And right now, I'm writing episode 17, and uh, absolutely, I'm just like taking. time tons of inspiration from Futurama just into this episode. So yeah, it's just pretty much like pick up a hobby, take a fucking break, like chill out, um, and then try to watch and explore different mediums, you know, and like read a book or something like that.
2: So what happens to me for Writer's luck is I get up and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna write my script. And then I'm like, but before that, I'll go on like Reddit or something or Twitter. And I'm on Reddit for a bit. And I go to Twitter and I'm like, hey, I haven't looked at Reddit in the past two minutes. And I go back on Reddit and I open up Facebook and I'm like, why did I open up Facebook? And then I close it. I do that about 10 times a day. And then I go to bed and then that happens for like 10 days in a row. And then I'm like, oh, I think I have writer's block and usually the core of the problem is because I actually don't like whatever the premise for the script is or sometimes it's like oh I find myself getting into the same rut like over and over and so I'm like okay I have to do a thing for it to be different because it's like I'm not I get like bored of it if I'm doing the same thing like over and over again I delay something instead of jumping into it and then I, the delays get like longer and longer and longer until I'm like not getting back into it and so I'm like okay after like a month passes I'm like hold up like this is this is weird so you you have retroactive writer's block (laughs) yeah it's like the sad part is I don't like I don't see the writer's block coming it's just like after the fact I'm like that was writer's block I tried to get better at just
4: recognizing it because I used to just try to force my way through it and that does not work and it's like I just got better at recognizing when it's happening, and then I just need a complete change of scenery. It's like, nope, I'm gonna go out for a walk. I'm gonna, I don't know, do something else. Like I used to do on and off, like uh, Hema sword fighting. Like, you know, it's
3: like
4: just something physical so I can take my mind off of it or just like, yeah, like Dingo said, read a book, see a show, but anything but try to force it. I don't have the luxury of taking off three days or like, like Dingo does, (laughs) but I can usually take off at least one day and just kind of reset and then get back to
3: it. I just turn off the internet and I turn off my phone and then I force myself to sit in front of the screen for five hours and I can do nothing or I can do the work. And you eventually just start doing the work out of painful boredom after about 10 minutes. You're like, I can't, I can't do
2: anything. I'm gonna gonna write, I guess I'm writing now. I do get what you're saying where it's like, once you start writing, like there's a, an initial like 10 minutes where you're writing where suddenly you're like, oh, I have this problem. And then the second you start thinking about a problem, you're like how to solve it. And that's yeah. what gets that investment. Yeah,
3: you can't escape it. You just have to entertain yourself now. That works for animation really well, too.
4: Um, you, you can also trick your brain. Sometimes you just like just say, OK, I'm just going to do this tiny this one thing, just like one sentence. That's all I'm going to do. And then
2: usually your brain will keep going also, for sure. Uh, On that note, like art can sometimes be boring. Sometimes you're doing like the scales on a dragon over and over and over, and it's like, uh, you know, you kind of don't want to do it, but like it needs to get done. I feel like my problem
3: is the opposite of that sometimes, where I'm like, I want to just share (laughs) the excitement that I have about this. I think YouTube may be being like cool to short videos again. Like, I've noticed that some short videos are doing good views, which means that, hey, if you want maybe you can do good animation if you want i'm not saying that that's what everybody like you know
2: wants to do but but that was something that was like it was like outlawed for a little while i used to feel Mm -hmm. i I got another idea there was a janitor one day and he's sweeping at youtube and there's a button that's like monetized uh, they have like a giant wall of all the algorithm
0: for short videos and he was like
2: he just hits it and I think that's what keeps happening with all the YouTube changes it's just this janitor who keeps pushing random buttons
3: basically that's a simplification of what they are actually doing which is just randomly A B testing yeah. constantly.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's probably the the shorter videos. It's it's watch time, and then um, it, the, our, the competitors to YouTube currently.
2: I imagine a new YouTube program where they send just a guy with a cattle prod to each person's house, where it's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> create create a block solved. We'll send we'll send the cattle prod guy. I think this is a great question, and I think we're going to near the end with this. Is do you remember the moment you fell in love with role-playing?
2: I blew up a car.
0: <laughs> in you
2: anyway,
3: you In
0: won't... real life? <laughs>
2: Is this relevant here? to the question or just a random fact? <laughs> Is it just a <laughs> <laughs> no, random fact? And you were like, I need an outlet for this. Um, so I, I guess I will take it first. So um, I had, I had gone to a game store And there was a guy who was like making a superhero game and he's like, oh, I need playtesters. And we're like, okay, we'll playtest. And we never even heard of an RPG, like what it is. And he explained to us what a role-playing game was and we rolled dice and we started playing. And I remember like, oh, okay, you're gonna be playing a wizard. And uh, what do you want to do? And it's like, ooh, magic blast. I'm gonna put all of my ranks into it. And so he's like, okay, you're here at this location. And so I started firing energy balls at random things and blowing up cars and the police started shooting at me. And so then he did that combat. And my friends, they were playing a speedster in the Hulk and they went to McDonald's and they were eating food. But basically as we started playing, it's like, wow, this is like so open and like creative and you can kind of do whatever you want, kind of a thing in it. And that was where I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so it was a custom game. And so whenever I bring it up to people, it's like, oh, what game was it? Like, I don't know. It's, I think it was based on the face rip system or something like that. <laughs> but even then, he kind of had the character sheets and, like, showed it to us. But I didn't know. It's just a list of numbers. I don't even know what dice we were rolling. <laughs> that was when I fell in love with it. it was when I played it with a group. And then the next time later, when people explain it to me, I at least had that context to be like, oh, this is what they're talking about.
1: So with, with Dungeons & Dragons, I started to really enjoy it probably back in before Fool's Gold but I really started to like it when um, Kinora's art came um, because that was like I think it was like a moment where we all kind of looked at each other and went whoa that was like when the Tarask came out with like Wild Magic we all just kind of went that was fucking cool (laughs) like that was really cool (laughs) and we just like really enjoyed it but also during that period of time we had uh we play about like three campaigns simultaneously so it's like uh Felix was DMing one I'm DMing one and then my friend is DMing one and we all just kind of rotate in the week and during that time we all had these three campaigns going and we all started to realize you could tell a really good story with Dungeons and Dragons because I was listening to the Adventure Zone with uh, a friend and we were just like you can do that like you can make it like all story and shit like you can just like role play and like get your character really into depth and story and then we were just like yeah let's do this and then we just like went full tilt into it and uh, I really started to explore it with my campaign with Felix. I did a 1v1 campaign. I did an entire campaign with just one player. Wow. It was was awesome! It was really fun because it was really testing me on my role play because I had to play like 8 NPCs all at once. But that's probably one of my turning points for really enjoying it was just realizing I can make a really good story with this.
2: I do have a question. So was it before when you started that, was it like, oh, you're trying to, you know, you're kind of playing a lot of combat or kind of getting bogged down in the rules and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it wasn't until later that you, like, let go of that or, like, were kind of playing it off I, the cuff or something. I
1: think it was, I think what it was is that we were so, like, because I had been playing, I don't know how many years since that. I think I'd been playing a fi- five or six years until I really started to hit home with, like, story. So my previous stuff was mostly just, we were just messing around. We were just fucking around. Like, we were just like, yeah, uh, I take the chandelier, I tie it, I I put, like, a rope on it, and then I swing it around and stuff like that. You can still do that now. Like, no problem with that. But it's just like, we would just, like, describe it. That's all you were doing. Yeah, it was just like, we were just fucking around. Like, we didn't care about the story. We didn't care about, like, what the DM was trying to do with plot. Like, we were just like, no, I just want to, I want to burn down that building. Please let me just burn down the building. And, you know, like we would just like go full tilt crazy. And like, I don't remember many of the stories of the previous campaigns. I just remember the funny moments that we had um, because it was just like, oh, that was that was crazy. That was so funny how we just did that. And it was just that was pretty much all we were doing. We weren't taking it seriously. I guess that's what changed us is we we took it more seriously because we were invested in the story. And when I say seriously, I don't mean like we suddenly just lost our humor and then it was like, no, we got to be super serious. It's like, no, 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 we're still stupid, but we now are invested. So invested stupidity.
4: Falling in love with like, like role playing games, like falling in love with D&D was when I played my very first session of 3.5 when I was 16. And in the very first session, none of us had any idea of what we were doing. The DM had no clue. We started attacking each other, like PvP, and then a single goblin would the entire party in like five minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. I love this. And (laughs) since then, I've just loved D&D. But again, we weren't really like role-playing at the time. It's just like we were just making characters and screwing around and having fun with like the the power fantasies and stuff. But falling in love with the role-play part of it, Probably during Fool's Gold, which was also the same time when we were doing the 1v1. It was right around that time when it's like, yeah, role-playing is just like this this next level. And it's just, again, it's like, you can do that? <laughs> like Suddenly, everything feels so much more intense and fun. And I'd say that would also be, like right around Kinora, I keep coming back to that, but yeah. That's when I really fell in love with role-playing, because I saw the amazing reactions I got out of
3: players that way. I just liked it immediately. I don't know, I mean, the first game i ever played that was a tabletop RPG was 7C. I was playing it with a lot older players, which was a theme just, I was always just like a kid around a bunch of adults when I was playing uh, earlier because in the like mid nineties to early aughts only older people were really playing. There's like a gap in the tabletop RPG space where, where people didn't really learn, right? And uh, the first game that I played, I played a wizard And I started playing it like a video game. I was like, I'm just going to kill the sailors, man. Fuck it, right? (laughs) And then the response was one of kind of a grave seriousness. Like the other players were treating it really seriously and with some reverence. And that gave it a little bit of magic that, you know, uh, like a video game or something didn't have. You know, it wasn't GTA, it was this other thing. And then. I repeated that experience a few different times where I came in a little too hot and just got, like, destroyed. (laughs) But every time afterwards, I was like, oh, this is cool, this is a new thing.
0: And I think it's definitely that connection that brings more joy out of it. But It sounds like everyone here feels that way and i know i definitely do it is coming to the end i'm not gonna make you guys do it but we do have one sub so i just want to say thank you very much to cullen doom if you don't already follow them please follow all the panelists so that you can potentially ask them on their platforms there's just been so much love for you guys in in chat and for each one especially and for the stories you guys tell and for the inspiration you give both as creators and as DM. I just want you to know that it's it's there for you. Where can people find you if they don't already know?
1: Well, you can find me, uh, I mean, on my YouTube channel, which is Dingo Doodles. You can also find me on all my social media, which is also at Dingo Doodles for like Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. People want to send I'll... you fan art. Yeah, Yeah, Twitter is usually the best way. I get tons of fan art. And so like Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr is definitely the way to do it. And I try to, you know, if Twitter, I like retweet all that stuff. So, you know, I definitely appreciate all that stuff. So thank you, everybody who's never done that. Holy crap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name's Puffin. (laughs) You can find me, I am grown-ass adult years old. You can find me at Puffin Forest, the YouTube channel. This is a YouTube channel
4: and the Twitter, at Puffin Forest. The best way to reach me is just on Twitter, at Felix Ernich. I am horrible at responding to messages. I apologize if it seems like I'm ignoring you. I'm not, I'm just awful about it. <laughs>
3: I thought you were gonna say, I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe. Also, Felix, make sure to spell out your last name because people might be like, what?
3: Well, that's what? part of the
4: challenge. No.
1: <laughs> it's like, only <laughs> two friends will find,
0: find me. So
4: uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. and the last name is huh. I-R-N-I-C-H. It's German, so I apologize that it- it's awful to spell. Yeah technically but Ernich is much easier to pronounce so
3: yeah yeah you can find me on my youtube channel that's kind of it bye
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't <laughs> Actually, at me <laughs> yeah no, i mean, you can,
3: if you do if you do fan art or something and you add me on twitter i might see it but 2020 is a nightmare and i, I i'm not really on the internet as much so every now and then I'll, I'll come and check stuff out and catch up and one of the few things i'll see is is fan art but um but like you know like questions and stuff like that a lot of times it just gets buried mm-hmm. um also wait so i have a little spice Who? i got a few people in here are there any new D creators that you're like excited about mm-hmm. i have someone in in mind right now and that is I think it's Jay's really good D&D show.
1: Okay, so we have a ton of like D&D animators that we constantly try to keep contact with because it's like oh, they awesome. pop up. So we're just like, okay, you come here, you come <laughs> yeah. here. Because we're, we're trying to like create a base of just being like, okay, let's talk, let's talk. I'm really excited about cool boy Shane stuff. Like check him out. I was on one of his podcast episodes, like check him out. He's a really nice guy and has some great stuff.
0: Thank you so, so much for being here and for taking the time and for sharing the love with Comic-Con Africa. Um, Thank you to everyone in the chat for being here. We appreciate it. Remember, you can follow them on all their channels. Follow Cool Boy Shane. Follow Jay's really good D&D show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Carla from Dum Dum Die. And we hope you have an amazing weekend filled with adventure.